uh, next week I'm going to preach on the transfer of anointing. And uh, this week, Andrew is playing the guitar of his grandfather's, Janie's father, that uh, passed away just a, a month ago. And it's just a really cool uh, scenario. And so uh, it, we have a picture here. Uh, that's Janie's father playing it just this past Father's Day in June. And that's Andrew playing the same guitar. Uh, and it's just, it's just a really, really touching uh, photo. What a cool guitar. Uh, looks like it's a different color, but it's the same guitar. And uh, Drew, you played the lights out of it. Good job. Grandpa would be so, so proud. And so we're going to talk about the transfer of anointing uh, next week. And so give it up for our worship team. You guys can sit down. Uh, thank you for, for all your hard work. I am a huge uh, on legacy, on lineage, on inheritance. Um, it means a lot to me. Uh, it means an awful lot. I'm consciously aware of certain aspects of life. And so come out next week. Not only will we have the re-grand opening T-shirts, but we're going to talk about transferring the anointing uh, from one person to another person. And it's, it, it'll, it'll, it'll rock your world uh, because that is all at your disposal. It's not weird. It's not freakish. It's not unusual. It's God's way. And God is, God is particular on transferring anointing to, to different people. And so that was just kind of cool. We didn't, I didn't even expect that. I took that one picture earlier in the first service, and then Aaron did me a split screen, uh, and it was, that was just really cool. So uh, transfer the anointing. Today we're talking about the outlander. We talked about it two weeks ago. I kind of gave a definition. I think Brian did again last week uh, on, on when he preached. And so I want to talk about that. But again, just in case you're like new or haven't made it the last couple of weeks, an outlander is someone who's just kind of passing through. Uh, like this isn't our land. This isn't our who we belong with, or this isn't, I'm not sure. And so I want to I teach you today that this land that we're in, although we're, you know, in, in America, we're United States citizens, or we're uh, gainfully employed, or we work, or we are business owners, we're building a, a, building a business or a community or a church, uh, this isn't where we belong. We belong uh, as Christ followers uh, to another entity. We belong in a spiritual realm. And so there's kind of a crux between the two, if you will, where we were in this world, but we're not of this world. And Paul says, be careful you're not so worldly uh, that you're not spiritually good and that you're not so spiritual that you're not no, uh, that you're no earthly good or have no earthly value. So we're always looking. And so as we walk through as an outlander, I have a couple questions for you today. You can just think about them. Are you eager to leave your reality? And sometimes we are. It's like, you know, maybe you've worked a long week or you've worked a long year and, man, I just need a vacation or I just need COVID to be over with or I just need, you know, these insecure insecurities in my life to, to, to be gone with. I, there's things that we're just we're longing for and we want to leave our reality, but by leaving our reality doesn't make us in any more, you know, useful. In fact, we have to kind of enjoy things just the way they are, the place they're at, where they're at. This is this is important. It's it's an important time in our life in the in the church world, in the in the world today, along with everything that we're 
that we're doing, that we're, that's encompassed around about us? And so uh, that's one question. The other question then, are you uh, active on the outside but empty on the inside, all right? And sometimes that happens uh, even as an outlander as well. It's like uh, I'm, I'm active, active and sometimes I, I've shared this with certain people recently that sometimes we can be busy because it hides different things. Maybe it, it hides a, a sorrow or it hides a depression or, or it hides a, a, you know, a, a something that we, that we don't want visible or seen. So we, we work our way around things. We become active. And yet that's, that's a way some people mourn. And that's the way some people are, are, are challenging themselves. And so it's not altogether bad. It's not altogether good. It's just if we're active on the outside but empty on the inside, maybe that emptiness is a spiritual awareness that says, hey, I'm not really of this world. This, is, this world doesn't have a lot of things for me. If we get wrapped up in the world, uh, maybe politics, maybe Hollywood, maybe science, maybe cures, maybe business, maybe investing, all those things in and of themselves are not bad, but if they control us, we make them an antichrist. That's what a true antichrist is. We're waiting for the mark of the beast. We're waiting for all these things. A true antichrist is anything that you put above God. It becomes an idol. And God says, don't put any idols before you. He want, he's a jealous God. He wants to be in charge. Amen? So church, understand that. As we walk through this, as we walk through what it means to be an outlander, because society will say, you have an issue, you have a problem if you feel empty. It might just be a God-like hunger. Maybe God just wants you to get locked in with him and just pursue him with everything in you. And how does that look? Well, it's one step at a time. How do you teach a baby how to walk? You teach them how to crawl, then you teach them how to stand, then you teach them how to take one step, and they're going to fall a few times. The church world's really good about just kicking people people out and get rid of them if they don't, you know, look and smell like them. So we have to understand that everybody's in this journey together and are walking uh, to, through the closeness of God, but there could be an emptiness. There's many, many days I feel empty. And there for a while, I thought it was just me. I thought it was, man, I was, how come I, and it's not not being fulfilled. I feel fulfilled, but at the same time feel empty. And yet studying out this sermon series about being an outlander, it starts to make sense that as we journey through life, we truly are pilgrims. We're in a different land. We're sojourners. And as we walk through this thing, there may be a sense of emptiness because this isn't our final goal. Heaven is, right? That's the important thing that we have to understand. So we're going to read out of Joshua in just a moment about him being an outlander. And this series is really about Joshua and about what Joshua shows us as an outlander because he wandered for 40 years. He was a slave for 40 years before that. Now he's 80 and God's given him this land and he's, he's, he's in a realm of newness. And that's Again, being an outlander is you're looking for new things. You're looking for, for different things. There, there was an unsettling there, and that unsettling was from God. So let's go to Joshua 1. We're going to read through 7 through 9. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. So be careful to do these things right. And that's important because I think we, if we're not careful, we dismiss or excuse a lot of things 
saying that, well, that's just what God wants. He, he's telling Joshua, who's been a slave for 40 years, a wanderer for 40 years, do these things right. Be careful and do all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. In other words, he's saying bury it in your heart. Grab God's word, bury it in your heart, be obedient to it. But you shall meditate so that you may be careful, again, that word used again, to do according to all that is written in it. This is the whole uh, Jesus verily, verily moment. It's like when you grab your child and say, listen, now just listen, okay? Here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't uh, cross the street without looking both ways or without holding my hand. Or it's, a, it's an important thing God's sharing then with Joshua. For then you will make your way very prosperous and then you will have good success Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's the old Morris Chapman song. Morris Chapman was a worship leader in Omaha, Nebraska, and he sang that song. If you've been in the church world for a long time, as we have, uh, he used to sing that and play the the congas or the bongos or whatever, uh, and it just would echo, and it, it's, it's echoing, I think, to Joshua. So I've got three words I want to give you today that you can write down. One is peace, one is posture, and one is prosperity. And the word prosperity, we don't love in the church world, uh, but it could mean success, it could mean commitment, it could mean a couple of things, different things, consistency. I want to write down, I want you to write down prosperity if you're taking notes because it's important. Now, some of the some people have uh, taken it and built ministries on it, and I don't think prosperity is meant that way. We'll get into it a little further, but it, it is okay for God to bless you. It's okay for God to, to, to honor uh, your gifts and give you back, to honor your work and give you back, to honor those things. And so we're going to talk about these three words, and I want you to see them because we'll go to a verse and we'll come back. I think God is teaching uh, us through Joshua that there are certain things that we need to walk through uh, if we're an outlander, if we're in a place where maybe we don't know if we belong or not, that through that we can have peace, we can have posture, and we can, yes, even have prosperity in that realm, that God will look out for those who are obedient to his word, who hide his word in their heart, and so that they don't sin against thee, that we can walk through life together as uh, born-again Christ followers uh, with uh, people in-house and people online line or people watching on a delayed aspect or on demand, and all of a sudden that word becomes rhema and, and it grabs us. And so uh, we're going to talk about peace for a moment. Let's go to that seventh verse one more time in the first chapter of Joshua. Only be strong and very courageous to have peace into to, in today's day and age, it's going to take a lot of courage. I want you to know that. Uh, uh, peace equates to courage here. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded do not turn right or left uh, or that you may have good success wherever you go. Peace would be a form of success. So we look here at the word peace for a second. God gives us a peace that passes all understanding. He gives us a peace that the world can't give. And then if the world can't give it, then the world 
world can't take it away. I had listened to a, uh, a podcast earlier this week, and the, the person was talking about just anxiety. Uh, the normal person has about 80,000 thoughts a day. 80,000. Now, I would have never have guessed a number that high. Uh, I would have guessed maybe 500 or 1,000. But I guess with television and social media and conversations and just your, your mind and, you know, thinking of uh, maybe tomorrow, some of you might be thinking of a presentation or a job interview or thinking about what you have to do this afternoon, a meeting or a special activity, or you have a lot on your plate this week. And so you have 80,000 thoughts a day. Day, uh, behavior scientists tell us, and 64,000 of them, or 80%, are negative. They're, they're, they're draining. They're, they're taking you down. And we know that the enemy is an enemy of the mind, but God is the God of the heart. And so God wants to reach through our heart to grab our mind. This is why when we become Christ followers, there should be a renewing of our mind, okay? We, we don't have to have those thoughts anymore. We don't have to. Now, it's a process. It's a maturity. It's, it's a work. And we're all a work in process because we're outlanders looking for that heavenly home. But we also have to function here on earth. And so if anxiousness or anxiety is prevalent throughout the world today, uh, especially in our younger people. They, they, they have had uh, certain benefits that maybe others have not, okay? And so each society up until this one has gotten a little bit better for the next person. I can remember introducing a, a remote control to our kids. We had a TV, Janie and I did when we first got married, that was in a, you know, it's, it was a piece of furniture. You remember those, some of you. It's in, it's in a cabinet. We had three channels, three, six, and seven. And then you had the UVH or whatever, where you could go and get the, the public broadcasting, where you could maybe watch Sesame Street or something. And then, uh, man, you were really rich and famous if you had cable television. And all of a sudden, you had, you know, TBS and TNT and, and ESPN, praise God. And, you know, Watch 30 football games each weekend if you want. And now they have satellite. Now you're, you're, you're more in tune. Our, our, our millennials are trying to teach us technology. Well, you don't need all that, Papa. You can have all these without if you just have the Internet. So recently we got the Internet for the first time. I know. Don't say it. And I don't know if I like it or not, but it's, you know, it's one thing feeds the other, but these people that have 500 channels or whatever, we grew up when we were first married with three channels. It's a, it's, it's, it's a different culture, but it's also, I have read, where eight seconds is a person's attention span right now because of social media, because, you know, we have a conversation in our house on a, uh, in a living room after dinner, and most of them are on their phones. And I'm like, are you texting each other? Because we could just talk to each other. Other. We don't have to text each other. We're like, you're sitting right there. And, you know, they'll laugh and they'll look over. Ha, ha, ha. Do you want to share that with everybody? Oh, maybe not. It's just, it's, it's today's day. But, but along with that, if we're not careful, because information is so at our disposal, comes this anxiousness, this anxiety. I, I want to free you for a second. You are right where you're supposed to be in Christ Jesus. It's not, see, the anxiousness it comes with what's going what's to bring tomorrow? How am I going to turn out? What's it going to look like? What am I going to be? How am I going to do this? And it, and it starts to flow through life to where if we're not careful and we hear this 
video on social media and we saw this documentary, documentary and we, we hear this thing and we're listening to those and we, this person posts that and all these things and it starts to cloud our judgment, judgment of who God really wants us to be and then it takes away our peace. And all of a sudden we become anxious because we're, we're listening to all these things. And I, I am glad that I am who I am by Christ Jesus, Paul said. And I'm glad in the era that I grew up where we only had three television channels and one car. And I don't think our whole family even fit in the, the car at one time, to be honest with you. It was a simpler lifestyle and we're probably never going to get that lifestyle back. But you can get peace back. You can have peace. And along with peace then comes joy. Here's the trick of the enemy. If he takes away your peace, you're probably not going to have joy. And by the way, things will never bring you joy or happiness. Only God can bring you joy. But it's that joy then that becomes the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. So if he can attack your peace and make you anxious, then he attacks your joy because it's a society anymore where everybody's just a little bit down. Everybody's just, and I know it's a pandemic, and I know there's political persuasions, and I know there's racial tension and bias, but in the kingdom, there's none of that. In the kingdom, there's God, and there's Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and if we worship and love them, they fill us full of that peace. And then we have joy, and that joy just becomes a, a strong uh, strength in our life that we can walk around, and we become that person that God's called us to be. So I, wanna, I want you to be careful. Now, I'm not saying get rid of all your social media. I'm saying, I'm saying just be careful that if social media or political persuasion or uh, pandemics are taking away your peace, maybe put them on a sidebar for now and get back in tune with Jesus Christ. That will be the thing that really allows you, Christ being a person, that will be the, the thing, though, that allows you doing that, that will allow you to be full of peace in Christ. We, listen, we want to be successful. We want to uh, be, have a business or write a song or do, do whatever, whatever means to have a family or whatever success looks like to you. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it takes away your peace, then you need to reevaluate your situation because peace is only found in God. Christ cried at Gethsemane when he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done, okay? But he still had peace about that because he knew he was an outlander. He knew he was just a pilgrim passing through. He had a job to do. He had a duty to do. He had a call of, on his life, obviously, just like you. Now, it's not going to be to take a cross, a literal cross, and die for humanity. You can't. That's already been done. But there will be a cross that you'll have to bear. But you can bear that cross with peace. The next word is posture. Let's read verse number 8 out of Joshua 1. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. And for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So again, he's telling God, is telling Joshua, here's some keys. You have to take that land. Moses was the leader for 40 years. You've been in the wilderness. You've been in slavery for 80 years now, 40 and 40, and now here's the keys I'm going to give you. You're going to be able to do it. You have peace about it if you have courage, OK? 
okay? And then you have a posture about it would be confidence. Someone that, uh, I like the, the military uh, corps. I like the, uh, those that serve in the military. And then they, they stand at attention. And when uh, Janie's uh, father was buried uh, just a month ago, and they had the military salute, and, and it was beautiful on how they folded the flag. And it took it just it seemed like forever, and then they saluted uh, her mother, and then they picked up you know the 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 empty shells, and it was just it was fine tuned. Uh, uniforms were pressed. There is a posture there that exudes confidence, and this I think is what God is sharing with Joshua, and through Joshua he's sharing with us. There's a posture that God allows us to have. I grew up, many of you know, in a large family. There was eight of us kids, my mom and dad, and then for a long time there was one of our grandparents that were living with us. So there's 11 people in the house, and the house was 1,454 square feet. Now that's 11 people, 1,500 or 1,454 square feet. That's not a lot, that's not a lot of house. I shared a bedroom with three brothers, okay? And we didn't have bunk beds, so we were all lined up uh, in a row. And then our two older brothers were at one end of the upstairs, and our two sisters in the middle bedroom, a grandparent, grandma, in the off one bedroom off the living room. And then our parents had the other bedroom. There was no such thing as a primary uh, bedroom or a, a master suite or the owner suite, as they call it. Now it was one bedroom, it was one bathroom for 11 people. Uh, and so we, uh, now my family, thank God, uh, just in, in, and by good parenting, by the grace of God, they, they grew up very successful. I, two of my brothers were vice presidents of major corporations. One brother is a, a major award winner in art. Another one, uh, two other ones are great artists. One's a wood carver. Three of them are small business. I mean, the list goes on. They, they were, my sister was a teacher of the year. Just all, and she's very polished, okay? Okay? And so she would teach us at dinner time uh, where the knife and fork would be and, very, and the spoon. Uh, but I was on vacation last week, and our second oldest grandson, uh, he, I think, may be a true dolphins. I'm not sure. Uh, because, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, when we grew up, uh, we put all posture aside. If there was a plate of food in front of us, we put, dipped over the plate and just shoveled in. And, and that's our grandson, Jonah. Jonah's that way. And it's really good with pasta because you don't get as messy. He's over the plate, and he's shoveling in, and somebody's asking him a question, and he's trying to answer between bites. But his mouth is full, all right? And, and he's not a little guy. He's a, he's a good-sized good guy, and he can handle a fork really well. Well, that's how we grew up. That's how we ate as boys. Now, my sisters didn't, but as boys, that's how we ate growing up because mom was a good cook, and she would cook uh, enough for everybody and then half again. So if you ate the fastest, you got to get seconds. But if you ate slow, the seconds were probably going to be gone. And so, when, you know, we, we, we'd pray. A dad would make us say grace. And so we would say grace. Roman Catholic family, good, you know. Uh, and so as soon as we, we, would, we were shoveling. And, and, and we would eat. And then we'd, you know, hey, can I have some more? Yeah, go ahead and help yourself. And we would go up there and, and have more. And then, but my mom would say, 
you need to work on your posture. You're, you need to sit up straight. Don't, don't lean over. And uh, when you walk, have your shoulders back. There, there's a confidence there about posture that if we allow ourselves, we look more confident. We look more, more ready. And so uh, posture went out the window for our grandson Jonah when he eats. Posture goes out the window when I eat. I have to remind myself when we go out to eat with certain friends in church or people like if we're at a conference that I should sit up straight. And I have to remind myself to keep this elbow on my lap. Not to have both elbows on the table because I'm closer to the food that way. And I want to eat that food, church. I, I mean, it, this is how I just grew up. Just eat that, get close to the food, and Janie will say with a gentle elbow, get your elbow off the table. Stop eating so fast. Don't talk with your mouth full. It's hard to change those habits, right? And so here's what I'm saying. I want to, I want to spiritualize it for a second. Church, we need to work on our posture. We need to work. It's good to get all of God. We need to get God. But what we need to do, church, what am I saying, church posture? Work on your worship. Work on your word. Work on your prayer. Get, get, the word, get, get God's word in you. This is what God is telling Joshua. Have I not told you? Be courageous. Have I not told you? Get my word in your heart. Have I not told you? Don't look to the right or left. Have I not told you? He repeats this whole chapter. Have I not told you? He's checking Joshua's posture because he'd been in the wilderness for 40 years. He'd been a slave for 40 years, and he's used to just doing things as they come. God's saying, wait a second. When I give you this land, you need to look. No, I don't think... I don't agree with people that just make it up as they go or, or, or we got to look this certain part. we got to look this certain way. I think it's a posture that God has for us because when I'm at home, my wife is a great cook, and when she cooks something that I really like, I slam it down. We pray. I let her get seated because that's, that's right, and she cooked it, by the way. So I let her get seated. We pray, and then I'm up getting seconds. She says, you are the fastest eater in the world. I am. If I really like it, it's gone. It is just, and I've, I have one or two children just like that. I won't mention them by name, but I might look them down. And Jonah's that way. He, he's gone. Well, I, that's good. It's not altogether bad. But when you're out like with other people, you, you should take a, a breath between bites. When you're in God, you should look at that spiritual posture and say, okay, God, am I slumping over? Am, am, I, am I down? Am I depressed? Why, why am I? If, if, listen, if I'm a child of the king, I need to stand up. If, I, if, if God calls me his son, then I, then I have access to all the awards in heaven. I don't have to be somebody that I'm not because I already am somebody, and so are you. God's created you to be a victor. God's created you to be an overcomer. God's created you, but we, we lessen our posture because we let the world beat us up. You don't have to. I'm not talking about being arrogant. There's no room for arrogance in the kingdom of God, but there should be confidence in who you are in Christ Jesus. Give the Lord a shout of praise because he's worthy this morning. Last one is prosperity, and we don't like that word in church. I've talked about that already, but let's read verse 8 again 
and then we'll go into nine. Let's read the last sentence. For then you will make your way prosperous. For then you will make your way prosperous. That's not a typo. That's not something that, wait a second, uh, God's going to do it. Yes, God will do it as long as you do your part. But if you don't do your part, you can't blame it on God. Well, God, God just caused that. or God. Did. No, there's a certain key here. And then part of things happened because of the fall. We know that everybody that Jesus healed ended up dying. Why? Because of the fall. They had to get back to uh, the, the eternal realm. So we get to this point where what then is prosperous? Well, he mentions success here. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Verse uh, number nine then says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Again, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So that word prosperity could be used for prosperous. It could be used for success. It could be used for commitment or consistency. When we look at things in life and we become the things and the way that we know we should be, when we add peace and we add posture to it, then those things start to prosper. And not that we look for things in a material way to where we can say, okay, I'm, I, I've got a bank account, I've got a retirement, I've got a 401k, I've got all these things, my company's matching, things are great, now I'm prosperous, that gives me peace. Chances are, if you're going to do it kingdom-wise, you will have peace and posture before you ever have prosperity, because that's what God is saying here here to Joshua. Come on back, worship team. That's, that's what God is saying is the proper way. Joshua, if you'll do these things, if you'll be courageous, if you'll be obedient, God, uh, Joshua is, is hearing from God, if you'll walk in my word, if you not let the word depart there from me, if you'll, if you'll take a hold of these, then you will make your way prosperous. Now, now listen to that for a second, because again, that's important, that you're, you have a hand in this. Now, it's not all on God. God will give you creative ideas. Second uh, Chronicles 16 and 9, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the earth, looking to whom his, melt, his heart is melted towards him that he could bless them. So he's looking at our heart today saying, okay, that person there, that person there, that person there, they have my heart. Now I'm going to work through them. I'm going to bless them because God's after the heart, but anxiety's after the mind. The enemy's after your mind. If he can bring doubt in your mind, it lessens your faith. If he can bring if he can bring anxiousness in your mind, it lessens your peace, it lessens your joy. Let's go to Psalms. Let's just read one, two, and three in Psalms one. Because I want to show you then how you can be, be how you can be blessed, how you can prosper. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. King James says, ungodly. And so wait a second, I'm not gonna get my counsel from people who don't know God. They might be the best people. They might be great people. They're just not going to counsel me. Because why? They don't have God's heart. All right? And then nor stands in the way of sinners. I'm going to pick my battles. They're not going to be with people that don't know Jesus. Okay? In fact, I'm going to walk humbly in that realm. Nor sit in the seat of the scoffers, those who are against what God does. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Same thing David, who wrote this psalm, is saying about Joshua, who God tells through Moses, listen, if you delight yourself in the way of the Lord, in his law, and on his law he meditates daily, day and night. Here's the clincher. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. And that tree, the tree is you, but the water is the Holy Spirit. 
Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, says John 7 and 37. Out of your belly shall flow. Why? Because you're a reproducer. You've been called to multiply. You've been called to be fruitful. You've been called to re replenish and reproduce. That yields its fruit in due season. That word due is not in this particular translation, but it's in others. That's kairos, season, opportunity. When I look at things in my life and I wonder how do they work out, the only thing I can go back to is I've tried with everything in me to do what God's word says to do and do it his way. That becomes fruitful. You've all been called to be fruitful and its leaf does not wither. It's, it's, that cycle goes on and on and on. But here's the key. And in all that he does, in all that you do, you'll prosper. Let me explain briefly, but I want you to stand with me for, for, for the rest of this moments we have together. Please stand. And then we're going to pray and then we're going to sing a song. There's people in churches all across the world who anxiety just weighs them down, they have no peace. And because they have no peace, their spiritual posture is horrible. Not, not, and I'm not, it sounds like I am, I'm trying to judge. I'm just saying, because life beats them down and drains them, they, they, they don't have the confidence in God that they should have. They don't have that wherewithal saying, wait a second, I know it doesn't look good, but I know God's gonna work it out. And then this verse here, and in all that he does, he prospers. I'd been praying uh, years ago uh, when Janie and I had resigned our, our church in the, in the Midwest, and we hadn't, didn't have a church to go to. We knew we had opportunity. We had several uh, in inquiries. We, we, we knew we were going to go somewhere, but we felt like it was the right thing. Let's resign and then decide. And so I was praying one day, early morning prayer, 6 a.m. prayer, uh, brand new auditorium, beautiful auditorium, big waterfall. Water was running down. Auditorium, I was walking through it, thanking God for it, wondering what our next, like, place was going to be and there was two places that we had kind of narrowed down to and uh, both places beautiful uh, both places destination state or or city and and I was asking God and I said God would you let me know would you tell me and he gave me this verse and I just I saw it I just I read it and he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in the season I'm like yeah God and it's like leaf does not wither and I said yes God thank you give me the answer in all that he does he prospers. And I'm like, God, you're supposed to tell me where to go and what to do. And he says, no, son, you, wherever you go, it's going to be all right. I got you. That was me and God are having a conversation. I'm like, wait a second, God. And he's telling me, this is the fulfillment of scripture in your life. If you do what God tells you to do, if you walk in his way, although because you're an outlander, it may not seem normal to other people. And trust me, we had a lot of family members that thought we were crazy when we went into full-time ministry. We had a lot of family members thought we were crazy when we moved to a different state. We had a lot of people thinking we were crazy when we moved to Hickory, North Carolina. But when you are an outlander and you follow God's principles for your life, all that you do, you'll prosper. Now, it may not be financially. It may not be materially. But it will be with peace. And it will be with posture. And then the prosperity 
will be a consistency. It will be a commitment to know, hey, God's got this in control. This really isn't my final destination. My final destination is to be with Him in glory. Oh, I'm going to enjoy life while I'm here. I'm going to hop on our Harley after the service, and we're going to go for a bike ride, and we are going to enjoy it. And I'm going to find a place to eat, and I'm going to have a big lunch somewhere. And tonight, because it's my last day of vacation, I'm going to have ice cream somewhere. And it's going to be a big bowl of ice cream. Because then tomorrow, Jane's going to keep me off the ice cream for a while. Because she's been saying too much ice cream does not make you any good. So I'm going to enjoy life. And you are too. Just don't get too attached to it so that God can move you like a chess piece to where he needs you. Because then all your ways will prosper. Raise your hands if you're comfortable. Let me pray for you. You're just kind of comfortable, just raise your hands up for a moment when we pray. And then we're gonna we're gonna worship one more song. Father, there's here to people here today that probably statistically are anxious. They have anxiety, they're nervous. And Lord, sometimes that's good. That's not altogether a bad thing, but if it's a nervousness that you have to give them, if it's an anxiety that's not from you, then Lord, fill that anxiety with peace. Let there be a perfect peace that passes all understanding. There's some people here that maybe don't have good posture in the spiritual realm because life has beat them up. The world has beat them up. Duties have beat them up. Lord, obligations have beat them up. Lord, just bring them a, a gentle call back to you. Be still and know that you are God. And let that posture be filled with scripture reading or meditation on your word or truth or maybe a worship song or a podcast that actually is uplifting and not tearing down somebody. And then prosperity, Lord, which really means commitment and success. Lord, you measure success so much different than we, than we measure success. It's not things that we grab and have. Lord, it's, not, it's being. It's being who you called us to be in Christ. It's using what we have to advance your kingdom. So help us to be successful and committed constant, consistent in all our things. Father, I pray for our dear friends today and ask your Holy Spirit blessing just upon them. Draw them near to you. But if there are people here that suffer from anxiety, if there are people here that suffer from spiritual posture, if there are people here that don't know how to be successful in the kingdom of God, as we sing this next song, Father, would you show them? Would you enlighten them? Would you would you fill that void in their life? In Jesus' name we pray. Every time I turn around 
joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.